This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. According to a 2017 survey, more than 6 million Canadians, aged 15 and over, identify as having a disability. On average, people with disabilities earn less and are more likely to live in poverty. These facts have likely stopped being surprising. It is thus worrisome in the context of COVID-19 to think about how people with disabilities will fare. The issues for the disability community during this pandemic, although numerous, predate COVID-19. But if there were a silver lining, it would be this. COVID-19 has validated the social model of disability. So there's room for empathy and growth for people of all abilities. Today, we discuss the programming and services offered by Halifax-based nonprofit Reachability. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joita Gupta and I hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're keeping safe and well during this pandemic. Just a friendly reminder that during the pandemic, we are all working from home and that this show is being hosted and produced remotely. To keep up with latest AMI-audio programming dealing with COVID-19, please visit ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. All this week, we've been celebrating National Accessibility Week here on the program. We, of course, heard from Rick Hansen, but we've also heard from other people prominent within the disability community. Today, we're heading off to Halifax, and my guest is Tova Sherman, the CEO and co-founder of Reachability, a Halifax-based nonprofit that provides support to individuals and businesses of all abilities. Tova Sherman, welcome to The Pulse. Thank you so much for having me on today. When we were talking before the program, you said something that struck me, and you said that people in Halifax are feeling a little bruised right now. Um, It's been a hard couple of months and weeks for the people in Halifax. So how are you doing? What's the mood like amongst your clients and the people that you're talking to? Well, quite frankly, the mood has been, it's been a challenge, and that's really what started us. We talk at Reachability in terms of BC before COVID and AC after COVID-19. And uh, we're not, we're, we all need a little humor, but the truth be told, it's really changed everything. Our clients who were facing a lot of challenges, but because the employment market was so good, we're starting to see breakthroughs and, you know, emerging in jobs they didn't know that people would even allow them to do because of so much of the stigma that's been built up around, you know, the myth of disability. But here we were doing really well. Employment numbers were getting up there. We were starting to work with clients even more challenged and giving them more time. And there was a setback after COVID-19. And that was that not only people are let go, but as is traditionally the case, the most vulnerable are let go first and persons with disabilities with all of their challenges as it relates to being out there and being more vulnerable due to other issues around health are, you know, frankly, some of the most challenged and the most forgotten. So Nova Scotia as a whole is feeling down, but my population of persons with disabilities, of which I am one, you know, are really feeling it from every side. And we're just trying to become a, a beacon of light in a, in a time that we're feeling like there's an awful lot of darkness around us. 
I'm going to get to employment, and I want to spend a few minutes talking about that today. But first, let's back up the conversation a, li- a little bit. Maybe, Tova, you can start out by telling us, what is ReachAbility? Well, thank you. ReachAbility is an agency that was built on a very simple concept, and that was to equalize the playing field for all persons. And to do that one ability at a time, not to assume if this works for one person, it works for everyone. And as an agency that started literally 20 years ago in June, and we've delayed our celebration till October, but meanwhile, 20 years in June of of supporting this community in numerous ways, whether self-awareness, self-management, anger management, employment, education, access to the arts. We have an organic wheelchair accessible garden. We're all about equalizing the playing field. And we also have a theme around reachability, which is many services to the few, meaning we may not service everyone, but every year about 500 people get to work with us. And since no one goes nowhere, we have an agency that is not only 100% free to anyone we work with as a client, but offers such a plethora of services, we wouldn't have time to talk about them all, but know that we are equalizing the playing field one ability at a time as it should be. Many services for a few. I really like that. Tova, once COVID-19 came uh, came about and many offices, including yours, were forced to close, how did you remain in communication and contact with your clients? It's been a really multi-step process, but I'll get it down to three key pillars. The first thing we did was we determined, once we sort of licked our initial wounds of all being locked at home, we began the process of determining how to reach out to our clients, exactly the first thing. And we got on the phone, we got on the email, every one of my staff took names, and we reached out to over 500 clients that we had worked with in the last fiscal year. And we made sure that did they have an email? Did they have internet? What were they doing? Are they working? Did they lose their job? For those that haven't really moved much at all and don't have internet, we're phoning and checking in and we're deciding, are you okay or do you need another call? In which case we elevate them to our phone team. We literally split up our small staff of 15 people and we began to reach out to these 500 people in the community initially and then reached out beyond that. But the first step was, are you okay? And here's two things that really came out of those calls. One, food and security. Things aren't okay. And two, the importance of needing to continue living, needing to have a place to talk to people, needing to have less isolation. Remember, we're physically isolated. We are not socially isolated. And that was very important to my team to distinguish that we need to create social engagement for our clients at all levels, utilizing all our tools. And again, as I said, some people are just on the phone, but some are actually going online now and joining our new Reach Up College, which is essentially moving all of the supports that we've been offering for years in the classroom to an online, you know, reality. And that's happening in combination with just starting with resources. Everyone needs to know what's happening. Things are changing so fast. Do I use SERP? Do I use something else? I heard about two things. So we also have what's called Reaching Out, which is our weekly newsletter and live session every Monday to tell people everything we've learned, to still it down and create a common space where persons with disabilities can go from anywhere in Canada. But obviously, we're really focusing on our team and our group here in Nova Scotia. But anyone can resource the Reach Up stuff because, again, it's all for free. So engagement, food security, which we're addressing also in different ways, as well as the importance of knowing you can still move forward.
in your life. It hasn't stopped. And in fact, we were able to employ five people last month alone here in Halifax. Mm. That's incredible because you get the impression that things have almost ground to a halt. Let me ask you a little bit about ReachUp. If I were to access the program online, what are some of the services and programming that I would now have access to? Well, the cool thing is that every day at one o'clock, there's a live facilitation. I mean, I just did one myself last week on interview questions that, that really trip you up. It was a part two, first how to do an interview online, and then I came in and did how to answer questions. My entire team facilitate on different issues that are their expertise. We have a mindfulness expert. We have people who do yoga. We have a bright side every morning, but that one o'clock reach-up class is an opportunity not only for you if you're in Nova Scotia to link up with all your education and knowledge, but again, in the province, we're also supporting food security by allowing those locally who sign up for Reach Up after they do five little assignments we give them after each session, we can send them a $50 food card. And we're doing that because we want to find ways to give people not charity, but opportunities to earn and learn. Earn and learn. That's going to be my new motto. Mm, I like it. And also you mentioned food security was a big issue. And I mean, just going to the grocery store myself, I've noticed everything's gone up in price. So an extra $50 to put towards your grocery bill is a uh, is quite a big help. I'm speaking to Tova Sherman, the CEO and co-founder of Reachability, a Halifax-based nonprofit. Tova, one of the things that I'd heard about, and this is how I came to know about Reachability, is because of National Access Awareness Week. And I know that every year that you've celebrated NAAW, you like to do something. And 2020, we may have had a pandemic and we might all be trying to find our feet here, but you wanted to do something for National Accessibility Awareness Week and not just let it go by. So what's what's being planned? Well, needless to say, we're not going to have all the big events in person. So let's just put that aside. But we, what we've done is we've split non-National Accessibility Week into kind of three parts because we believe we can celebrate more than just once. But because of the nature of the situation, May 31st to June 6th, which is the official day, week across Canada, and NAS, which is National Accessibility Week, as you said, not NS, will be happening 100% online, 100% free. We're going to have some incredible speakers from across Canada, including my good friend Bill Wilkerson, who's an incredible leader in the issue of um, automation, AI, and uh, depression in the workplace. And he's going to be talking about a new paper that just came out. We're going to be doing really neat um, Tova talks every morning with different uh, influencers within our community as it relates to disability and inclusion. We're going to have some great news. We've got April Hubbard and a number of our ambassadors for National Accessibility Week as well that are going to be doing some panels. So the key is to go to the Reachability site, reachability.org. The entire National Accessibility Week Nova Scotia schedule is gone up. And the cool part is anyone across Canada can participate every day and we'll have events and updates going on, including every morning at 10 a.m. If you go to the Facebook page of Reachability, we'll give you a live update of what's happening that day so you can determine what fits your schedule and what you're interested in. So we are not letting it go. And that's phase one, pillar two. In the fall, we're going to be doing some early partnering with with different um, festivals that exist because there's going to be a lot of competition with festivals now that everything's Mm -hmm. getting bumped. And we don't want to compete. We want to complement. So we're joining some existing um, 
things that are happening already, some different festivals, and allowing them and them allowing us to bring in the disability inclusion element. We're so excited. This is the year of the ACA, the Accessible Canada Act. And we feel this is a year that we can't fall back on, COVID or no COVID. We don't let what we can't do at reachability get in the way of what we can. And I live by that. And that hasn't changed, as we say, uh, AC after COVID-19. Tova, let's talk employment. What are some of the programs and services you offer normally to try and address the employment numbers? We know it's well below average, 59% for working age Canadians with with disabilities as opposed to 80% uh, employment rate for people without disabilities or working age. So what are some of the programs that you offer? Well, it's really important to remember anybody doing any programs, the first rule is, is to be effective from both ends. In other words, you can't just prepare people who've maybe not been exposed to employment or maybe have been exposed but had bad experiences due to disability, for instance, then you don't just want to, you know, kind of throw them out there. You want to stop the train, you want to see what's going on, and you want to work with them at all levels. Like I said, many services to the few. Employment is no different at reachability. And although you had mentioned earlier, you know, if COVID sort of hurt, helped, the truth is it's, it's a mixed bag like everything on the planet, right? It's a mixed bag. Obviously, there's benefits in the sense that opportunities are changing. In fact, the fact that other people are understanding the importance of staying in and staying distant and healthy is something people with disabilities have been dealing with their whole lives. It's almost an equalizer of the playing field in some very interesting ways. But that said, as I said earlier to you, it is my belief that often persons with disabilities are the first to be let go as a result of the stigma, even though all statistics show us in Canada and the U.S. that a person with disability is less likely to quit less likely to call in sick, Mm -hmm. and so on. So keeping that in mind, again, it's all about beating that stigma and coming to the other side. But what we've been doing specifically in programming around helping people get to that place, and again, mentioning all our programs are for free, and that is starting with, and most importantly, One Step Closer. And this is a program that we were doing you know, live and people were coming in, and it's been great for helping people understand who they are, what their strengths are, and how they can self-manage and move on to the next level of, of independence, which in my opinion is employment, or if it's your preference, volunteerism. We have both. We have streams for whatever people want. Remember, no one goes nowhere. That's crucial to me. And then, of course, if we find that they're ready and we're ready and we want to work with them employment, in employment, I want you to know that 95% of the people that Reachability's employment program took in last year all got jobs. And anyone who has fallen off the train as a result of COVID has already heard from us and we're working with them assertively to get them back to employment, assuming they're prepared and comfortable doing so in this COVID atmosphere because some people simply cannot. And we're not here to push people. We're here to help those that choose to go that direction. About 10 years ago, I was um, dating a guy who worked as a job developer with people with disabilities. And he said to me, you know, I feel like I'm a glorified telemarketer. Uh, employers are just not receptive to people with disabilities. How are you ch- having that conversation with employers, particularly now with COVID and employers having to embrace things like working from home? Are they starting to see that disability or hiring people with disabilities is, is in fact an advantage? It's not just a nice thing to do. Well, I think that, again, this is such a crucial time. And, and, and if we could just push COVID aside, which we can't do, we'd be talking all about the ACA, the extraordinary fact that we have passed our first true National Disability Act that is inclusive of persons with disabilities, not just one type or another, you know, a ribbon, as I like to call it. So what we're trying to do, though, is acknowledge the fact that employers don't always know, 
Reachability does not fundraise. We don't have a fundraising event. People go, how are you surviving? Because since day one, I've taken on the belief that if we do not educate employers, managers, and decision makers in the community, all the work we're doing to get these clients ready is for naught. So we created a social enterprise at Reachability called Inclusion in Action, and my job is to travel around the country, which I do, not lately, and share the wisdom of inclusion for employers, for, for different stakeholders, government, and letting them know what the ACA means, how it's going, and I'm very connected to changes and making sure I'm acknowledging them. And here in Nova Scotia with our own accessibility directorate, also coming up with some wonderful ways we can include. So here we are, an agency that is not only acknowledging the importance of the client, but at reachability, we acknowledge the importance of getting those employers and stakeholders ready. And that's why our social enterprise is inclusion in action, actual training to mm -hmm. present to employers, managers, and even frontline staff, whatever. We customize training, and that has been our revenue, and that has allowed us to focus not on doing a big fundraiser, which we don't do, but offering community what we believe they need, whether that's the disability arts community with our Blue Nose Ability Arts and Film Festival that's been moved to October 1st to the 8th, or whether that's Gnaw Week, or whether that's just meeting one client and him saying, we just got an email yesterday from a client who said, I was so depressed sitting at home and using the reach up and getting the, the, the certificate because I completed five assignments and all these things has literally changed. And he just got three job offers, three. So we know it can work and we know there's still work to be done. And what I want you to know most of all is that reachability, really, we never stopped because we saw the need only grow and we weren't mm -hmm. wrong. We just had to adjust quickly. And I always say to people, we're like a lava flow. If there's a gap, we will fill it. If it's filled, we'll keep moving. But in this mm -hmm. case, there's been a lot of gaps and we're just so pleased to be able to support other community agencies through partnership and allowing them to utilize our reach up curriculum, our bright sides in the morning, join us for NAW because we make sure everyone is welcome. And now we are starting online versions of our boss, which is the only anger management program that you can get for free here in Nova Scotia. We're doing online one step closer now. So in fact, we're back to doing both the new, which is the after COVID reach up, the reaching out, the resources and the traditional, which is those individual classes. So we're trying to do both concurrently. The voice that you're listening to is Tova Sherman, who is the co-founder and CEO of ReachAbility, a Halifax-based nonprofit. Tova, I want to talk to you in general terms about the role of a nonprofit. You have a, I'm assuming, a small complement of staff, but you're doing a lot, and that's true for many nonprofits across the country. Typically, we call the nonprofit sector the helping sector. Do you feel that the nonprofit sector has really been called upon to fill a lot of the gaps? left um, unaddressed by government in this pandemic and during this crisis? I like to think of this as partnership. And I do mean this. I'm not being cute. And let me tell you what I mean. Partnership is when the provincial government, for instance, says we need to support people with disabilities and give them education or we need anger management support and we need to make sure our employees are happy and our employers and everybody's working well. 
How can you help us? So we partner. We take on roles on behalf of the provincial government. And whether it's COVID or not, we've taken that very seriously. Um, government response is always going to be a little more sluggish because you've got a whole system in place to move. Whereas we're rather nimble and as a mid-sized nonprofit. And we've allowed the fact that we are nimble, that we are very resilient, that we can shift very quickly, not, not unlike, you know, which is harder for bigger corporations and certainly governments. So we aren't looking at it so much doing your job as being partners with the provincial, federal, municipal governments and figuring out what we do best and allowing them to support that effort. And that's been our model since day one. And that model of partnership is why we don't have to do a big dinner or golf tournament every year. And I don't begrudge them. I just don't have the patience for them. I also can't play golf, just speaking for myself. So there is that. Oh, no, I love golf. It's the other parts I can't stand. <laughs> Tova, let me get into some of the conversations we've been having elsewhere on the program. A lot of guests have said things like, you know, we're concerned about people with disabilities being forgotten in the triage process in hospitals. Someone also said, you know, uh, we're quite concerned about the fact that income assistance for people with disabilities is, is not keeping up. And they're even concerned about clawbacks if Canadians if, with disabilities apply for the Canada, you know, the support for COVID-19. So you got all of these issues at play. And I'm so curious to hear about what the conversation has been like for you in Nova Scotia, in Halifax. Are we seeing people with disabilities and their issues getting a lot of traction in local media, Are local decision makers and governments coming to you with questions? Are you able to talk to them? Um, well, we, we're hearing from a lot of people because we're making a point, as you know, of reaching out to a lot of people, certainly in our community. And also because our internet presence has, has made our Facebook page go up by 2,000%, we're hearing more than we used to, to be honest with you. So we've definitely been trying to get that voice and respond to it. Now, I'm not someone whose role is to sort of call the government and say, why aren't you doing this? That's not been my role. But my role as a partner of government is to say, we see that food security is a problem. Would you have a problem if we do this on behalf of our clients? And they've been very good, our partners in government, all levels, have been very flexible about how to proceed. There's been opportunities to cancel grants. We ourselves didn't choose to do that because, as you know, we're not sitting back. We're going full steam ahead. We're just adjusting to the, the realities that we face day to day. But that said, it's not for everybody. So in our case, we're hearing and we're responding and we're finding a good bit of flexibility among our partners at all levels of government and our even our funding foundations and stakeholders are all saying, how do we make this work for everyone? So I see an incredible amount of goodwill, but we have to also be realistic about the speed in which government can move in the um, clarity. Listen, I have 20 people on my staff now, and I can tell you getting through one Zoom meeting of 90 minutes and having clarity is a challenge unto itself. So imagine what governments are trying to do and what messages they're trying to send through their ministries. In all fairness, I find myself and I find people with disabilities in my community quite comforted by the fact that not only are they at least hearing from the government and certainly the prime minister coming out and you know the premier and people like that, but they've been able to reach out to people like Reachability and said, okay, what's the latest on this piece of information? And we have taken the responsibility to ensure our community gets that because we know that the government at their pace and at their need to move, it's like moving a giant, is simply not going to be as responsive as we are. 
So I see this as an opportunity for NGOs, not a disappointment for NGOs, if that makes sense to you. I look at it more from the half full than the half empty, but I am an optimist, so forgive me. <laughs> no, I like it. I, and I think that given that you're an optimist and we're leaving on a high note, let's wrap it up here. Toba, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking to you and getting to know about reachability and the work that you do. Keep it all up. I thank you so much for your time today. We're around anytime anyone wants to find us at reachability.org on Facebook and, of course, our website. Thank you very much. That was Tova Sherman, the co-founder and CEO of Halifax-based nonprofit Reachability that provides programming and services for individuals, families, and businesses of all abilities. If you missed any of my conversation with Tova or would like to check out previous episodes of The Pulse, you can head on over to your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe while you're there. I want to say a few words about the importance of nonprofits like Tova's reachability that we talked about today and others that we've talked about over the course of this week. Nonprofits have played an important role during COVID-19, virtually keeping their doors open and trying to provide services and supports to this vulnerable community. In addition to that, nonprofits play a valuable advocacy role and often make sure that the issues and agenda of people with disabilities is not left off the radar. All this week, we've celebrated National Accessibility Week, and you might be wondering why. Why in the middle of a global pandemic did we want to talk about this? The reasons are many. On the one hand, after the Accessible Canada Act came into force in 2019, this is the first year that National Accessibility Week was part of the law. And so there is something marvelous about that to reflect on the achievement of having brought into force a countrywide legislation that takes proactive measures to remove barriers for people with disabilities. But I think the significance goes beyond that, in that as we plan a post-COVID recovery and return to quote-unquote normal, I hope that people with disabilities are not forgotten. But I'll go one step further. Not only do I hope that people with disabilities will be included, but I hope that people with disabilities will be at the center of planning the recovery and that we can tap the talents, the skills, the need that people with disabilities have to be problem solvers and innovators to help guide all of us, regardless of our ability, towards recovery. I want to thank Tova Sherman for being our guest today on the program and thank all the other guests who made our celebrations for National Accessibility Week possible. The Pulse is produced by Andrika Delanerol. Sam Robinson is our technical producer. Andy Frank is our manager of AMI-audio, with special thanks to technical supervisor Paula Deneen. We would love to hear from you and give us your feedback. How are you recognizing National Accessibility Week? You can always give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. And let us know if we have your permission to play the audio on the program. You're welcome to write us an email if you like. Feedback at AMI. Or you can find us on Twitter at AMI Audio and use the hashtag PulseAMI. Thanks a lot for listening and I hope you all stay safe and well. You've been listening to The Pulse on AMI Audio and I've been your host, Juita Gupta. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. 
Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.